At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store, the Google Play store, and we're on Stitcher. Uh, you can find Tim at Twitter at libcontim, and I am at libconmatt. You can buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about, uh, well, they did something in Great Britain sure no one knows about it but we're going to talk about what it was that they did no one knew uh, about it before now everybody does now all of a sudden everybody knows about it it's a minor thing no big deal really Whatever. but we figured it was worth talking about of the you know it's not, my vote doesn't nah. really count i figure i'll just i'll just go in and put something down and then yeah. we'll see what happens yeah you know, the entire united kingdom not a big destroyed deal. all right whatever moving on yeah uh, uh, moving right along make we're america great a again about the, uh, right, yeah, we're going to talk about making America great again. <laughs> talk a little bit about the election, uh, all the big haps in uh, on Capitol Hill with the gun control argument. Supreme Court had a big day, and we got some Kentucky updates to talk about. Uh, so we're going to start off with with that thing that happened in Europe, uh, that that Brexit thing. Uh, in case you've been living in a hole, the uh, 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 United Kingdom voted to. Well, now you can't even. It's hard to even say the United Kingdom voted for it. Great Britain voted for it. Yeah, Britain Everybody voted. Else in the United Kingdom didn't uh, didn't want to do it. But uh, so anyway, the United Kingdom right now has officially passed a referendum to exit the uh, the European Union. Uh, this happened Thursday evening while I was in the midst of a power outage, and when the power came back on, I found that CNN had gone all British. Uh, which was kind of fun. I got to watch British CNN for a little while. Uh, uh, the pound has hit uh, 30-year lows. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 600 points. David Cameron, the uh, Prime Minister of Britain, has resigned. And a whole lot of British people are just going, what the hell, man? So uh, here you go. I mean, you uh, go. What do you got? <laughs> Talk to me about your thoughts on this. Okay. Well, one, let's start with, I hope that I'm wrong, right? I am not praying to see the destruction of the European Union and the United Kingdom. I am hoping that I am completely wrong in my analysis of Brexit. That said, I don't think you can understate how bad this is. I don't think that's possible to do. One, we look at the European Union. This was a model of countries coming together, working together to create open borders for their people to go back and forth. It was a model for economic cooperation. It was a model for security cooperation. And Great Britain was the second most powerful country in that arrangement next to Germany. And now they've left. And not only have they left, but certain parts of this country have no desire to leave. So now you've got Scotland and Northern Ireland, both of whom want to be a part of the European Union, right? 
And before, when Scotland in particular had their vote for a referendum of their own on where not to leave, they stayed with Great Britain because they recognized that while, yes, the principle of subsidiarity is great, this idea that the smallest group that can handle something should handle something, they recognize that there's certain things that as this tiny little entity, they can't do as well as a larger group. But now, because Great Britain has decided to leave the European Union, it might actually behoove Scotland to leave Great Britain. And it might actually behoove Northern Ireland to leave the United Kingdom. So we're looking at the potential for the complete destruction of the United Kingdom. Not to mention the severe damage that's done to Great Britain's economy. Because now, instead of uh, making trade deals as part of this economic powerhouse that was the European Union, which I know maybe it sounds crazy to refer to them as an economic powerhouse, considering all the struggles they have had with the euro. But this is still an enormous block of the richest countries in the world. And Great Britain, unbelievably, has decided that they think that they can get better deals by being outside of that union. So now when Great Britain goes to redo all of their trade deals, they're going to be this one little bitty country that might even get smaller. So they're not going to be able to negotiate with any sort of strength. So yeah, it's impossible to understate how bad this is for Great Britain. Now, I know the Dow, the Dow Jones took a hit. I, I don't think that this is going to be horrible for the United States. I, I don't see that. Uh, the one thing that I would see as potentially dangerous is all of the people who, instead of looking at Brexit and going, oh my God, what have they done? Are look, you are looking at it and going, yes, hooray for nationalism, hooray for the little man, hooray for fighting back government bureaucracy. And all those people who suddenly might decide that this is great and let's vote for Trump and see if maybe the United States can, can, can look at Brexit and see all the things, that, the great things that we can learn from it. That, that's a little worrisome because there is no great lesson to learn from this except, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. Sometimes it is important to be a part of a bigger group like, you know, the United States. It's better when we look at all of our states. If any one of our states suddenly tried to go it alone, it'd be horrible for them. And we see it already with, with now Texas is becoming a thing, with Texas wanting to break off from the union. This is, this is not a good decision. This is not the way to go. We are stronger together. This, the European Union was one of the best examples of globalization. Globalization is good for business. Globalization is good for the people. Globalization is good for the market. And we must support it. The I I let me okay. I'm gonna try to figure out where to start, but let me just start with what you said at the end. The sheer amount of moron that has been coming out from mostly from the GOP, uh, or actually, really the Trump Trump and the Trumpets. Yeah, because not even the GOP. Some, the GOP is pro. We as a party, God, are pro globalization, pro free markets. All this crap that you see from Trump and his anti-free market, his pro-Brexit, his anti-European Union, that is not Republican. The European Union was in large part 
pushed and created and founded by Margaret Thatcher, who was Ronald Reagan's partner in crime, one of his main allies. It's not as if the European Union was created by a bunch of crazies from the Labor Party. This was the Tories. This was Margaret Thatcher. These were basically Republicans who started this. I, I understand. I do. But Sorry. Let me just read you what a quote from the Washington State GOP. The world is beginning to right itself. Britain first. America will follow. Hashtag Brexit. These are coming from official corners of the GOP. I understand the impulse of a lot of the old guard Republicans and people like yourself who still believe in, in what were the real Reagan-esque principles of of economics and finance and how those affected policy in the Republican Party. That is not the GOP of today. It is not. It is the GOP of 20 years ago. The GOP of today does not yet have a way of reconciling itself with people like yourself. I'm sorry, man, but they don't. They do. You are a reasonable Hashtag human being, but way. right now, right now, yeah, but even hashtag the better way. Paul Ryan has just proven that he's completely incompetent with everything that he's done in the last couple of weeks and in how he has handled um, Trump, how he's handled the gun debate, how he handles himself. I mean, he's he has good ideas, but he is bad at forging agreement he has no way of he, he he puts on this act as though what he wants to do is find ways of 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 uh, proposing better ideas and being this grand vision of the republican party but he has no desire to actually sit down with anybody and try to make these things happen none he he, he doesn't want to listen to anyone but himself and the people within his own corner they are isolate. They are as isolationist as policies that are coming out of Great Britain. And the thing that's crazy is that on some levels, I understand the impulse. And this is the problem with the way that people that push globalization, which yes, in the long run, globalization is the way to go, but they never addressed what it's going to do in the short term. And that's the response to that is what we're seeing around the world right now. That's why there is such a direct parallel in what happened in Great Britain and what is happening here today with Trump. And the because with globalization came a change in the way that countries would manufacture things and the way that importing and exporting would, would work. It came with changes in the way that company that countries do business. And it was going to help people at the top, and it was going to hurt people at the bottom in the short term. I, and it's I, why we've had this entire industry created around fast freaking food in this I, country, and people are tired of it. I completely and disagree. And I get it. It is that is a revisionist history to say that it, globalization damages in the short term. You look at what Ronald Reagan did when he came in eighty to eighty eight. Great push for globalization. And what did you get? You got, what was it before the crash? 28 years of some of the greatest economic prosperity for all people in the United States. Everyone was helped, not just the rich. And then we hit a bump with the recession, which was completely, uh, maybe not complete. No, I will say almost completely unrelated to globalization. 
The crash was caused by messing around with subprime mortgages. That was what caused the crash. Nothing to do with globalization. Tim, that may be the case, but that's not the way that people see it now because you're leaving out the way that technology affected globalization because technology came in and has managed to replace the jobs that were there before in manufacturing. Now we don't have the same manufacturing base. We don't have it here. We don't have it. They don't have it in Great Britain. And that's what people are upset about. And at the but same time here in the States, I don't that know. That is not globalization. I, yeah, but it is part of it. They are part and parcel together, the two of them. And all of this time, we have been listening to politicians tell us we're going to build bridges and build a new world and, 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 and meet the needs of the 21st century with all these tech jobs and all this training and all this mess, and none of it has happened. That's why we have all of these job openings that can't be filled, and it's why we have no blue-collar, solid blue-collar jobs in this country right now, and we have a whole bunch of people that actually... There might be those jobs and they may exist, but we have a whole generation of people who are not trained for them because they require more training than they used to 50, 60, 70 years ago. I'm not necessarily saying that you're wrong, but I'm saying that this is the way that people see it. I understand that why this is the angry. way that people see it. And we get politicians like Trump and like, unfortunately, large numbers of the GOP who do not explain it, who do not point out that, no, this is not the fault of free trade. This is not the fault of globalization. This is simply technology and the world advancing. And, yes, we need to catch up with how we do our education system. Absolutely. We need or to immigration. catch up in You're the way that we're training people and how we do that. Absolutely. But it is because not they the have a villain in that. They have taken that. They have pointed out that globalization also brought open borders to the entire European Union. And that's another thing that people are freaking out about is that they won't be able to travel back and forth. And now you have all the same migrant problems over there that supposedly we have over here. And they're able to point out it's not the fault of globalization. It is not the fault of all of these things. It's the fault of all the foreigners. They're coming in here and they're taking your jobs and that's who's at fault. And that's how the GOP has managed to continue playing this like a harp so that they keep, they just play on people's fears over and over and over again. And now you have the ultimate fear monger in Trump who is just absolutely taking it to the next level. To my mind, frankly, Trump's really not saying all that many things that are really all that out of step with what a lot of, particularly at the local level, GOP politicians have been saying for years he's just got a bigger microphone and a bigger personality and is a little crazier than the rest of them but he's doing very much the same thing and it's the same thing that the leave campaign did all the way through this to the point that one of them nigel, nigel farage pretty much admitted that at least one of their big selling points was a lie and he knew it which, Which was the was 350 million the 350 million a week that they were losing. 2 days later he went out and said, "Yeah, that's probably not right." Hmm. Came straight out and admitted it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're They're absolutely right. entirely can, on people's fears. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And pivoting back to Brexit, you're absolutely right that a large a, a, a major factor in causing people to vote leave was all of the migration issues. Look at all the foreigners. They're coming. They're going to take us over. It's horrible. Look out. 
And in America, you get the exact same thing. It's primarily been with with Mexico, but now you're starting to see it with uh, the Muslim community as well. This idea that all these foreigners are coming, they're going to take over. So we need to be afraid. We need to shut down our borders and go back to isolationism, which has never worked. You can never point. You cannot point to a single time in history where an isolationist policy led to economic growth and prosperity. It never works. Going back to the Revolutionary War, the entire revolutionary period, the reason that we were able to do two things, two major things, one, win the war, two, build the government, was based entirely on outside help. We won because France helped us. We got loans from the Netherlands initially that allowed us to establish U.S. credit. Those two things, you take those two things out and we're not having this conversation. Exactly. Well, and and thanks to Mr. Alexander Hamilton, who is so famous right now, we ended up not with a little mini Europe with a bunch of different countries. We had one federal government, which is what allowed us to operate on the international stage. And that's exactly the type of problem that Britain is now going to be facing. The fact that they're trying to play on a large international stage, but now they're just this little bitty country. Yeah, they are. And they're going to do it. And you know what? The other another thing that we haven't talked about yet is that was, has been the vilification again of Obama over this entire thing. Everybody running around screaming. Trump went so far as to blame it all on Obama, saying that when he went to Britain and pointed out all Obama did when he went over to Britain in April and gave that speech was tell them what was going to happen. Did it come out as a threat? I don't know. Maybe. But but it was the truth. And they all like Obama. Which was the, wh- wh- yes, I know. Why are they pissed at Which Obama? Was, I can get where Trump, maybe, even though the result is exactly what he wanted. So I don't know why he's not thanking Obama. But they like Obama. So I, I, I think that's just coming from America. This idea that somehow this was Obama's fault. I, I don't think it is just it is just coming from America. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 coming purely from American politicians who can't possibly blame Obama enough for stuff. Yeah. No, Europe likes Obama. So Obama saying you shouldn't do Brexit actually maybe carries some weight in Europe because they like him. And nothing he said was wrong. Everything that he said was basically to say, look, you know, we're we're going to deal with the countries that are we're going to deal with the European Union first. Duh. And cuz it's Britain enormous. Probably, yeah, because duh. And Britain may well go back to the, a little bit to the back of the line and they may even go further back because the United Kingdom is it's entirely likely that the United Kingdom won't exist anymore. Yeah. Scotland's holding a referendum. It's not a matter of, oh, well, maybe we're going to do this. They, their prime minister it's pretty much a matter of when it. at this yeah. point. It's not it. They said they're yeah. holding a referendum. And it is entirely plausible. I think, in fact, I would say likely that Scotland will leave the United Kingdom. I, I would agree from everything that I'm seeing. It seems like Scotland for sure. Ireland, I, I don't know that they've been, has Ireland been quite as definitive about it as Scotland has? They haven't been, been definitive in the sense of holding a referendum, but it's a major factor now. Because now Ireland is still part of the European Union. And so now, now Northern Ireland has a choice between being a part of this grand Europe or being a part of the little bitty United Kingdom. Yeah, and do I mean is that really even a choice? No, I mean, you know this is this is even a choice. I mean that's that's yeah. just duh. Well, I guess we're going to be part of Ireland how do you, now. How do you make like, that call? 
Yeah. I don't know. Here's a couple of things that I don't know about. One, I'm not convinced that this is going to trigger the mass exit from the EU that everybody seems to think it will. Because it seems to me that I think a lot of countries are really paying attention to what's happening in Britain. God, right I hope now. so. And at least at least that's the way it seems to me. There's been I've read more talk about people leaving the United Kingdom than I have about other people leaving uh, the European Union. I mean, there's, I've seen speculation on it, but not quite with the same definitive, yes, we're going to vote on this. That's point number one. Point number two, I don't know if this is going... Everybody's talking about how this 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 should be seen as like a boon to Trump or it's, it's a similar movement and uh, we should now be worried about the bump that Trump's going to get. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be too quick to sound that horn just yet because... If this populist wave has the negative effects, at least in the short term, that it's likely to have over the next six months, certainly within 48 hours, then it's entirely possible that the fact that he immediately stepped up and tried to take credit and own this might well come back and bite him in the ass. I hope so. I, I, and I think that's very possible. I think that's very possible. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the other countries leaving. Let's, it's, it's worth pointing out here. Europe or Britain had an easy, quote unquote, easier time leaving the European Union because they never got rid of their currency. All the other countries, though, they're all using the euro. So for them to leave, this is way harder than it was for Great Britain. Yeah, so, you'd be you're talking about reestablishing the franc. Right. Um, so that's which marks all of these things. I, I, I don't. I don't see that happening because of how difficult that would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with that angle of it. Um, the other thing that, to, uh, that I think is at least worth discussing is that the sheer amount of buyer's remorse that is coming out of the leave campaign uh, is pretty impressive. Um, there's an awful lot of people that feel like, for whatever reason, they didn't take the time to research it, didn't really know what was going on. The petition to bring the referendum back, uh, to revote on the referendum, is now well over 2 million people. Um, there are some things worth pointing out. One, this process, according to the original treaty, which I don't recall the name of it right off the top of my head, but the original uh, treaty, uh, this will take two years for them to pull this off. So there's, this is not, this doesn't happen now. Um, Cameron is resigning. Yes, but there are ways that they can get around this just because they voted on this. They voted yes on the referendum. It actually still has to get through parliament. That so, is correct. This is not law. You know, this is not law. Greece. Yeah, it's it, just, and th this is one of the big problems that you see in Europe. They keep holding all these referendums. This happened with Greece. You know, they, they, you know, they held the big referendum and then the prime minister tried to actually implement that and realized, well, crap, we actually can't do this and had to go back on it. So you are correct that it's entirely possible that cooler heads in Britain will prevail and they won't abide by the referendum, which is entirely possible. Right, it is. And there's also there there is also a mechanism in there for them to effectively revote on the referendum. Mm -hmm. um, basically to push something, push another another vote through the parliament and then back out to the people. So they would effectively be voting to re-enter the union after having voted to leave. So 
And that one, I think, is the one that people see as more likely than the parliament shooting down the other. But then there's also the question of party control. And then it gets murkier for me because I, I don't really understand the intricacies of, of British politics. So, um, well, the crazy thing is a, that neither of the heads of the part, main parties, Labour and Tory, neither one of them were explicitly pro leave. Neither one. Even Jeremy Corbyn, who's a little crazy and definitely should have done a far better job and was a pretty wishy-washy spokesperson for the Remain campaign. Technically, was part of, Labor was very much part of the Remain campaign. So you are in this fascinating position where there's been, the, and this is why David Cameron's resigning, because there's this referendum saying they need to leave, but none of the current party leaders are pro-leave. And that's why David Cameron decided that he has to resign, because he he doesn't support this. So he can't he can't be the one to forge the way ahead. That's interesting. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I'm not sure how I missed it, but I didn't yeah. know it. <clears throat> well, because no one cares about Great Britain until now. <laughs> I only know it because I read a British magazine, The Economist, for all my news. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, Let's what let, let's dovetail a little bit into American politics for a second and just uh, discuss briefly the the American campaign. Um, Trump's had a, a tough couple weeks. Um, his his uh, his polling tanked effectively uh, to the point that he's he's losing. He hasn't won a poll since that initial bump. He got that bump right after uh, right after he secured the nomination. And but ever since then, he's just kind of gone falling off a cliff. Uh, the average on Real Clear is held steady for the last week or so around five to six points, almost six points. Yeah. Um, yeah. His uh, the, he he shit canned his campaign manager uh, who nobody liked anyway. CNN turned around and fired him and now everybody or hired him. And now now everybody's pissed at CNN. Um he did double down on his promise about his own money going into the campaign uh, by saying he's not going to ask to be paid back the 15, 50 million bucks that he's already put in supposedly Uh, he has almost no, he has less money in the bank going to the end of this week. He had less money in the bank than some uh, candidates in house races throughout the country, which is huge you know, compared to the amount that, that Hillary Clinton has in her bank. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where, and again, his, his response to the Brexit thing from Scotland got a lot of, he got a lot of grief over that. Um, other than it being nonsensical and, and just not making any sense. I mean, it, you know, uh, which is tip par for the course where he's concerned. I don't know that the fact that he went and was talking about his kid's business really bothered me that much. I, I don't know that angle of it. Everybody seemed all up in arms about that. I didn't really see a problem with it. I saw a problem with what he was talking about as far as Brexit goes, but the optics of it didn't bother me that much. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, that's, that's just sort of a quick cliff notes of what's happened or so in the last week. Have you anything to, well, to I, I take zero, or? I take zero comfort. And the fact that Trump doesn't have any money, because I, I don't think Trump needs that much money. He gets coverage no matter what. He gets on. He is a constant headline in Yahoo News. He is a constant headline on the, uh, every Internet site out there. Trump is everywhere. 
and he simply doesn't need the amount of money that Hillary Clinton does in order to get her message out. Very, very quickly, let me add to that. Yesterday, I, I worked a half day yesterday. I got off work at noon, sat down, had lunch, turned on CNN. Trump, 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 Trump. Went and worked outside for a little bit, came back in at about 4 o'clock, turned on CNN, Trump, 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 Trump. Sat down for dinner at about 7.30, turned on CNN, Trump, 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 Trump. No other responses, and it was always the same story about Trump being at the golf course and Brexit. Every time. That was three times during the day. Yep. Yeah, all, all this crap about the media now, because I agree, like, I don't think the media likes Trump. I, I think that's pretty obvious at this point. But they're not doing themselves any favors if they don't want to see him president by constantly covering him. And you can't tell me that he's the only thing worth covering. And so therefore they have to cover him. He's the thing that's going to bring them money. He's the one that's going to bring them the most viewers. And so therefore they are going to put Trump everywhere they can. It's all about the money. Yeah, very true. And I, you know, that's, it's an outstanding point. Um, as far as his own money goes. Uh, an interesting addition to all this today, George Will left the GOP today, officially. He announced he is leaving the Republican Party. Who? Um, <laughs> George Will. You know who George Will is. He's a, I don't. He's a re- really? You don't know who George Will is? <gasps> no. Sorry. You're not allowed to not know who GOP is. He's in the, who George Will is. He's in the handbook, the one that they pass out. They should have programmed that into your head when you joined the party. I, I he's one of, one of the great. He's one of one of the great republic. He's he's up there. With, what is that? The Weekly Standard or the National Review? What, what's what's that? What's that? What's that magazine that all y'all read? That that didn't like Trump and it was a big deal. National Review. National Review is that it? National Review. Right on. George Will was he's he's in, in that vein. He's like a stalwart of uh, of conservative writing and and writing working for the wall street journal and and national review and all these other places and today he announced that he's leaving the gop over trump basically it's it's a big deal it's, wow leaving the gop lots, to do what of, like go where who is he is he libertarian I, now is he just independent is he democrat i get I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't think he said he's voting for Hillary. Although there have been a remarkable number of people out of the uh, George W. Bush administration coming out and saying they are voting for Hillary in the last. I, I have seen days. a good number of those, and it's made me feel good about my own inclination inclinations towards voting for Hillary. Now, one thing, and, and this is this isn't related to Trump, but this this is related to Hillary. I, I before when we talked about the whole vice president thing. I only brought up the age factor when it was with, you know, Bernie Sanders and then you put forth Warren and I kind of gave up. Yeah, maybe that one. She needs star power. I, I, I'm taking all that back. I don't think she does. I, I think that the moment I, I think that at this moment in time, Hillary Clinton has the votes of the business people. She has the votes of Wall Street, corporations, big business. I think she's got them. And they're hers to lose. And if she picks a VP like Elizabeth Warren, she is risking all of those people. She is risking the votes of people like me, moderate Republicans, who do not want an uber progressive like Elizabeth Warren one heartbeat away from the White House. So I think, honestly, maybe the best thing for her to do, if she can find another center-left Democrat with some kind of star power, great. But otherwise, I I say just go for humdrum, go for a center left politician, and let Trump beat himself. Don't give us any more. Don't give us any more feed. 
for the fire. I think you're absolutely right. Actually, I, 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 I like Elizabeth Warren a lot and I think she's done uh, some interesting things, but it's been very quiet on the Warren front in the last week. She's, she's backed off a little bit. Um, and I, I think that that exact reason is why it's not going to be Elizabeth Warren. Um, I thought very early on that it looked like it was, she was going to head in that direction, but I, I think, I think you're right on, frankly, I think that's exactly why it's not going to be her. Uh, because if anybody, you know, like it or not, all you liberals out there, or actually all you progressives out there, you are to a certain extent correct. Wall Street is not afraid of Hillary. I don't know that they love her, but they're not afraid of her mm-hmm. the way that they were afraid of Bernie or somebody like Warren. Um, and, you know, because I think, honestly, I think with Hillary, I think they're going, going to approach her with more of a, it's more of that the devil you know thing than it is with Trump. Well, and um, I, I, a lot of, you have to understand a lot of people on wall street were furious with Obama. They supported him in 2008, become 2010, 2011. They hated him and threw a lot of their money behind Mitt in 2012 because they were so mad at him. And now they've got a wild card in Trump who nobody knows what he's going to do. Or they've got Hillary Clinton who they, yeah, they can pretty well predict. So, well, and Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, Hillary Clinton, you can work with. She has demonstrated this time and time again. You can work with Hillary. You can't work with Warren. You can work with Hillary. You can't work with Warren. You can't work with Trump. You can work with Hillary. Exactly. Yeah. And I I think that that's one of a dozen reasons why, uh, you know, obviously Hillary is the better choice overall, but. Uh, I also think that that's, yeah, I'm bottom line. I'm with you on the Warren thing. Good call. Thumbs up. Nice. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do a round of applause very quickly. Uh, who you got this week? Uh, I'm going to give my round of applause to William Weld. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the, the town hall on Wednesday. Um, but I, as, as I've Not said, either. I'm the, the, the libertarian vote is that that's my vote is theirs to lose. And I, I enjoyed seeing them on on the on primetime TV. I didn't really know anything about William Weld, um, and I, I, let's be honest, I really only knew Gary Johnson, almost you know, myth and legend, and reading some of the things he liked and disliked. I, I had actually really heard him speak, and while I I still like Gary Johnson, I, I liked William Weld a lot more, uh, and I can see where Mitt Romney was coming from when he said, "Cool, William Weld, all right." I would actually like to see that ticket flipped and see him as the presidential candidate. And I think I would agree. I think he presented a much clearer vision and stated himself much more succinctly than Gary Johnson did. Gary Johnson came off as a little bit eccentric and a little bit, a little bit of dodging questions and not wanting to just come right out and, and say what he thought. So I round of applause to William Weld and I'm excited to see more of him. I I will watch this at some point. I'm going to sit down and watch it, so I I can't really back you up on any of that. But but fair enough. I but your your uh, I've read interviews and I've heard a couple of snippets of podcasts from Gary Johnson, and your your assessment of him does not surprise me all that much. That he's a little bit of a kook, an interesting kook, but a, a little bit of a kook nonetheless. <laughs> um. So anyhow, well my uh, my round of applause goes to uh, the Democrats in the House. Um, uh, particularly John Lewis, uh, who, uh, staged the sit-in for 25 hours on the house floor, uh, eminently infuriating Paul Ryan and his cronies. I thought it was fantastic. 
Um, I, you know, yeah, you can look at it, I think, of, of whether or not you like the bill or not. I, I honestly, personally, I don't really like the bill. I don't think the bill had a prayer of passing, even if they had gotten a vote. I think what they were trying to do was push a vote. The And that's that to me is a big thing and a big problem with the way that our government functions. Amen. And that they refuse to vote on anything. Amen. And that's why I dislike the way that, that the Republican Party has run the House of Representatives for the last six years and that they only vote on the shit that they want to vote on and that they know will pass, which is not the way that this was supposed to work. Whether or not that bill would have passed, you know what, because it's not even an argument. That bill would have failed on the House floor. And even if it had passed the House, it would never have gotten through the Senate. But at least the Senate, in all of their gridlock, did hold votes on some of these bills. And that was, and it's not enough. I still want something that will pass, but at least they held the votes. And Paul Ryan in his chicken shit cowardice refused to do anything and to pay any attention to anything that is going on in the mood of the country and won't even hold a vote on something. And the house Democrats decided to do something about it. They could not have picked a better leader in someone like John Lewis. And I applaud them for it. Okay. Sure. Round of applause to standing up for what you believe in. All right. I'll bite. And and I'll bite on the way that Ryan handled things. Because, I mean, let's be honest. If we were doing a WTF right now, I would give my WTF to the House and the Senate for the way that they're handling just the voting in general. Cut it out with all the, the weird procedures and manipulations and just hold the votes and let it happen, especially in the in the in the in the House. We've got all the votes. We outnumber the Democrats by a lot. What's to be concerned about? And then with the Senate, what is up with the requiring 60 votes? Since when are we just assuming that people are going to filibuster and therefore now you have to get 60 votes? Because actually, I want to say all of those bills technically passed. All of the bills had more than 50 votes, but they didn't reach this 60 vote cloture. And now I'm not sure if Mitch McConnell, from my understanding, Mitch McConnell isn't allowing a vote on the Susan Collins compromise bill. So I will definitely give all of them my WTF. I am concerned by the whole sit-in thing, and I am concerned by what sort of precedent that's going to set for general behavior and such and procedures on the House floor. But I agree that you can certainly place some of the fault with, with Speaker Ryan. As much as I do like him, and I like the better way, and I like some of the things that he's trying to do, I don't get what his MO was with all of this. So, okay, round of applause. Glad you stood up for what you believed in. And then also, the bill didn't even do that much. Really, even any of these bills that got put forth on the whole gun control thing. None of them really did that much. And none of them really even seemed to address what happened in Orlando. Did any of them even go after assault rifles, really? I felt like they were all based on the whole terror watch list and some amount of registering. Am I am I wrong on that? No, you're absolutely right. And that was honestly that was my problem with what happened in the Senate. Just just to tell you what happened on the Senate bill. This was this was another one of McConnell's bullshit procedural moves, which has proved to me that McConnell is not actually a human being and is in fact a ball of goo trying to pass himself off as a person. Uh 
the instead of setting up a vote, this is this is a quote from a news article. Instead of setting up a vote to add the Collins legislation to the pending appropriations bill on the Senate floor, McConnell scheduled a vote to discard it. So the Collins bill survived that test in a 46 to 52 vote, but it fell short of the winning 60 votes in order to overcome these procedural hurdles. So basically, they effectively didn't vote to talk. They, they didn't vote on the bill. They voted on whether or not they wanted to talk about the bill. And that vote went 52 to 46. So thusly, it didn't pass with the 60 votes to talk about it. So it became tabled. So they voted on it by not talking about it. Yeah. And in refusing to talk about it, they refused to pass it. So it's gone. And absolutely ridiculous. This was a bipartisan bill presented by a Republican, which let's not forget to give a little bit of a WTF at least to the House, to the Senate Democrats who voted against Republican gun control bills. We put uh, absolutely. forth gun control bills and the Senate Democrats voted against it. So I, I can think of no more disgusting or ridiculous instances of partisanship than what we've seen over the last week. Yeah, these were this was absolutely enti- entirely that yeah, that's uh, the, again, I'm I'm not saying that the Democrats have the certainly not the Senate Democrats have acquitted themselves well throughout all this. But a lot of the what really annoyed me was Ryan's self-righteous response to what they did, shutting off the cameras, sneaking in in the middle of the night to shut down the house, and then going on CNN and talking about, oh, this is the people's house, and how do we have this sort of disorder and these terrible things that these people are doing that are counterproductive? They're all publicity stunts and and political maneuvering and yada, yada, yada. What the hell was it when you were voting 80 times on the Affordable Care Act, you jackass? Were those Uh, not political moves? no, no. You lost me there. You lost me there. He held votes on trying to repeal Obamacare. That's what we do. We vote on stuff. Done. That was that. Those are not publicity stunts. That is putting forth what you believe in and trying to get it passed. Eighty times. Hey, you want something done? You got. You got to be willing to break some eggs. All right. <laughs> but I mean that. No, you're not I'm, not, that I'm not quite once, to go maybe twice. I could see, but eighty times, no. But the that, idea that, that that's, the that's, Dems that's are doing publicity, the publicity stunts. stunts, I you know, I, everyone's doing publicity stunts. Everybody, it's not just the Democrats. That, and that's that's all any of We're this. We're doing is. our fair it's share. All publicity crap. Yeah, and it is it is it is proof that our political process is broken down. And there is, but it, but the fact that that process is broken down does not mean that Donald Trump is the answer. Agreed. Please keep that in mind, people. Anyhow, I think we've just talked a lot about what we had on the agenda from a gun control standpoint, but let me just throw this out there because you know what? Paul Ryan has had a bad, bad month, bad month. I think if anybody came out looking awful from this gun control stuff, he came out looking the worst because McConnell pulled some sneaky shit too, but nobody's really paying attention to that. Ryan had to be the face of it. Uh, and I don't yeah. think he came out smelling like a rose. And plus he's, he's really sort of bungled all of this stuff with, with Trump. And at the same Absolutely. time, he's actually been trying to put out 
these things that are like the cornerstone of what his speakership is supposed to be about. And no one is paying any attention <laughs> to him. Because, and, I, and I'll say it, because he went with Trump. If he had stood up and said, I will not support Trump, this is what I support, this is the better way, then he would have gotten the coverage that he wanted. But because he went with Trump, this is what happens. And I, I said it before, I said it before he backed him, and I was right. <laughs> because it sucks, because <laughs> the, the better way is great. I like all the better way stuff, and I'll give another WTF to Elizabeth Warren and every other Democrat who has lambasted it as, you know, oh, look, this is just his way of impoverishing everybody, and he wants to steal health care from people, and he wants to do this. They are, it is, everything that he has put forth is well thought out, good ideas, and it's fantastic, but it's not getting any publicity because of all this crap with Trump, and it's Ryan's own fault for backing him. Eh, did you did you like the healthcare thing that he put out? I I wasn't I didn't think that that was I thought that was kind of weak tea. No, I thought it was good. I read yeah really. I, I read the now I haven't gotten to read the full policy paper. I've read the 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 snapshot, which was which is only about three pages and gives the the basic overview. But a lot of it I thought was good, and and I'm assuming that the other stuff when it goes more in depth is going to sound a lot like his. Uh, patient's choice bill that that he tried to get passed, which which I liked. So I no, I I think it's good. I think it's definitely steps in eh. the right direction. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember exactly what yeah. my points were. So I'm not going to try to dig myself into a hole. So forget I said anything. Um, Fair enough. But I I still thought it that I don't know. It just felt like it didn't go far enough. But well, let's, anyhow, I mean, let's, um, let's look at we'll look at the better at the the better way and uh, we will show that, that'll be, after yeah, that. We'll do we can a, do a, we'll do a good segment because he's got a lot of good stuff and it's important. Because we it, can at it least is, give it, it the, is, the time that the other news places aren't. It is worth merit to talk about it. It's not, again, I'm not going to tell you that I agree with all of it. And I, I, I increasingly decide that while I may like some of Paul Ryan's ideas or I may be willing to listen to some of Paul Ryan's ideas, I very much dislike Paul Ryan as a leader and as a person. He does not impress me. But some of his ideas I, I'm not entirely against and I'm certainly willing to listen to them. Um, and I don't hear you know, what I, I'll tell you what I definitely don't hear. I don't hear Obama and I don't hear a bunch of Democrats saying, wow, hey, everybody, this is great. We've been asking for Republicans to put forth ideas. And look at this. The speaker is putting forth these great ideas. Hey, everybody, let's take a look at them. I don't hear a single goddamn person saying that. Well, no, but unfortunately they wouldn't because whatever, because in the, but, and, and I'm not saying that this is right, but I'm telling you that this is why they're doing it. The Republicans refused to give voice to anything Democrats wanted in the last few years. They just ignored. They did exactly what, uh, and unfortunately, we're back into this sort of evil, ridiculous cycle of you did this, now you did that, no, you did this, no, you did that, and neener, neener, neener. And it's not going to, it's not, I'm, again, I'm not saying that it's right, but I can almost assure you that that at least is part of why they're not. Um, you know, uh, which is a shame, you know, because at the very least, I would like to have seen them, you know, be the bigger person and, and say, OK, we can talk about some of this. Yeah. You know, well, and I think that points the the whole thing, because I've been extraordinarily frustrated with the Republican Party turning in the party of no. But I I think you, you put Democrats in the exact same position. I think they turn around and they do the exact same thing. 
They did it from 2010 to 2008, from 2008 to 2010 when they had control of everything. They didn't turn around and do a whole bunch of listening. And then we got control and we did the exact same thing. And now our guys putting forth ideas and no one's listening. It's yeah, I think it goes both ways. Well, but they were still passing laws. But proving it because they control everything. We'll be passing yeah, laws if we control problem, everything. I, Will you? I don't. I. I. I yes. Because I don't even know what it is. I mean, of course, except for these last two things, twice. So that's two times in the last six years. I can actually tell you. Okay, these are interesting things that Republicans want to try to do, and they don't involve deregulation or lowering taxes. And well, but that's all. I mean, that's two. And well, but they don't actually use those words exactly. They found more creative ways to talk about it. But at the same time, they're addressing like part of the better way thing is that he's trying to address the poverty issue. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that Republicans actually acknowledge that there is a poverty problem in this country. So find a way to address it. Neat. But my point is, is that this is not what Republicans talk about. They just get on the air and start, keep repeating Barack Obama, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, like he's fucking candy man. And they're standing in the window waiting for him to jump out behind him and, and stab him in the back. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, now that they finally got some ideas, it's lost in Trump. So, you know, um, Agreed. I mean, it's it is lost that in Trump. We talk about that is very true. Somebody that that I have no respect for, as little respect for as a human being, and Paul Ryan, and someone I have no respect for as a human being, and in Mitch McConnell, I will at least say that I know that Paul Ryan has ideas. I haven't actually heard Mitch McConnell talk about being for anything or coming up with any kind of policy plan to do anything at all, other than stand there with his arms crossed and be mad when the Democrats talk. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you there. I, I am not impressed by Mitch McConnell. Done. Moving on. All right. We've talked a lot about gun control. So the Supreme Court had a big day a couple of days ago. Uh, they had uh, one. They shot down or a this giant ridiculous... whimper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there's another thing. You know, Ryan goes on and on about how we have that. Like he, he gave this entire speech in front of CNN about how we know that these institutions are sacred. And we have to protect those institutions. And the sit-in didn't protect those institutions. You have one of the entire branch of government that is down a person when there's only nine of them to begin with. And the Republicans are holding that up. So that's protecting an institution? Really? Agreed. Ryan and also, should that's be standing not a, up and saying, Also, that's not a publicity stunt? How is that uh, not political? Uh, agreed. Yeah. Ryan should be standing up and saying, hey, the Supreme Court needs this full complement in order to function. Senate, get on your jobs. Uh, agreed. They, they, he should right. do that. Yeah, fact. So anyway, they did two things. One, they had the the affirmative action case where they, which which I thought was stupid anyway. That was just a grumpy white person from Texas putting up something dumb. But they 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 shot that one down. So that was a good sort of thumbs up. We're sorry you in didn't a four, get three grades decision. in high school, but deal with it. What happened with that? Why was it four three? Do you know the answer to that? What what I happened? Think Sotomayor to the had to, Sotomayor had to recuse herself because she was involved in the case somewhere coming. Uh, so which so she had so to back basically okay, but no. So that means that at least one quote unquote conservative judge sided with the liberals. Yeah, it right. was, and it was. I believe. I'm. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was Kennedy. Um, 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I, it, it had to be Kennedy, but I don't, I don't actually know. Um, I know that Alito wrote the dissent. Yeah, um, it certainly wasn't Alito. He was <laughs> vociferous. Yeah, you know, so the more important thing is that the executive actions on uh, DACA and DAPA, the DREAM Act, effectively, uh, were shot down. Um, in a four, then they weren't actually technically shot down. They were just not. It was a four-four decision, so the lower exactly. court's ruling in a that effect was whimper. affirmed. Yeah, it was a giant whimper. And let's also be clear about one thing: if if Scalia hadn't died, uh, this would have been five-four shot down, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, that's one. And two, Merrick Garland is not your by-the-book progressive. So he's not even he a progressive. I yeah. don't think you can give him had, that title. No, I think you can kind of put him or liberal for that matter. Fine. You can't call him a by the book liberal. I, I think yeah. he's very, Honestly, I thought road. he was center, right? Honestly, I think Look, they love him. Republicans love him. They want it. They, they voted. They him wanted him before jobs. They wanted him before. Yeah. He, he, Obama could not have handed them someone they wanted. More. Yeah. And, he, he's you know, not even a liberal. I mean, you can't even, you can't even give him that title. So, I mean, it just makes everything that's happening that much more ridiculous. Yeah. My point is, is that had he been on the court and they had done what they said, what they should be doing, which is voting on him, there's no guarantee that this would have been upheld. The The first thing that, that I, I think it's worth, worth pointing out is that, and, and I don't think that this can be made clear enough, this was not any kind of victory or referendum on immigration actions. And whether or not immigration is a good or a bad thing or whether or not we need immigration reform, this was purely a decision based on the actions of the president and the executive branch and whether or not he had the legal ability to do this. Yeah. I think he had a moral obligation to try. And I think that there is a part of him that is not probably not surprised that this got shut down. And I applaud the fact that he tried to do it because I do think it was an important thing. And I think that we have a Congress that effectively does not want to do their jobs because they're petulant buttholes. But it was important that that he did that. One thing I somehow missed or just didn't put together was that the Senate passed a compromise immigration bill in 2013 and the House refused to vote on it. They didn't even vote on it. I don't think. I think Boehner managed to keep it from even getting to the the ballot or whatever you call it. Yeah, I, so, I remember. I don't remember. I don't remember which of the two it was, but I remember that passing the Senate and thinking, "Forget it. It's not going to make it through the House," and it never did. I, I mean, I, I'm very pro-immigration, so it's hard for me to be unbiased. Uh, I can see where maybe this was executive branch overreach. Uh, Considering the vast amount of overreach that it seems like sometimes they're now the Republicans are doing uh, for, as governors, I, it, it's all it's all very hypocritical. It feels like um, so. I, I I I'm sad that it didn't that it that it didn't pass muster in the courts because I, I did I did want this to happen. Uh, I I didn't see it as a massive overreach. It seemed to be more than what others have other presidents have done. But, you know, Bush did something similar. Bush senior did something similar. And it seemed like this was the same as that, just on a little bit higher level. So I'm disappointed 
And and again, and this is why, as much as, as many problems as I see with Obamacare, this is why I felt like Obamacare needed to be passed. Because if it hadn't gotten passed then, then we would be stuck in the exact same healthcare situation that we were in 2007, which was completely unacceptable. And all that all this immigration stuff has done is proved to me that thank goodness Obamacare passed because at least we're talking about it and moving things forward and something has been done about healthcare. Whereas with immigration, we're still stuck in the exact same rut that we've been in for 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. That's always been my point with, you know, whether or not with Obama here, whether or not it, whether or not you think it was a perfect bill, I don't think it was a perfect bill. But I do think that it started the discussion and it was a discussion that had to happen at that time, like you said, or it wasn't going to happen at all. And I, I don't understand this insistence from people on the right that actually look at the bill and say that it is a, a quote 100% failure when you have the highest ra- coverage rates in the history of the country in the modern era. You have more people covered than you ever have by leaps and bounds. And how can you actually look yourself in the mirror every day and say that that's a bad thing? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And there are always ways to improve the situation. And that's what, that's what we need in that respect. And the same thing is true of, of, of immigration reform as a whole. And also anyone, to me, anyone that looks at what this act did, which was get 5 million people, most of whom are children of people who, who at, to no fault of their own, their, their parents brought them here. They were raised here. They are here. And they want to be a part of the system. They want to contribute. They want to be a part of this country. And if you can actually look at yourself and say, yes, I think that those people should be sent back to a place that they've never lived. There's something wrong with you. You have got to re-examine what it is that you think about this because you couldn't possibly be more wrong. And this is something we have got to get addressed. And I, I'm with the president in that it's frankly, it's heartbreaking to watch. Agreed. It is heartbreaking. The entire immigration system is ridiculous and needs a complete overhaul. And at least this would have addressed some small part of the overarching problem. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, we got to move on to Kentucky. Uh, we are both from Kentucky. I don't know that we've had a good Kentucky segment since we really came out in the open with the show. So I'm only saying that because if you're listening to us for like the third or fourth time and wondering why we're talking about Kentucky, that's why Tim lives in Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. We love Kentucky. It's been some, it was, Kentucky is an interesting thing right now because you have a quote unquote, sort of Tea Party-esque governor, a guy who at least initially in his political career was very much a Tea Party-backed guy and Matt Bevan, uh, who has been elected governor on the coattails of a Democratic governor. Uh, and he's in here and they're trying to do very much far right things, supposedly, uh, and undo a lot of the things that uh, Democratic governors have been doing for the last few years that Republicans don't like. So, uh the other interesting dynamic is that you have an attorney general who is the son of the aforementioned democratic governor. (laughs) So 
the two are sort of going at each other in very interesting ways these days. Uh, the governor had put in a bill, um, as we talked about a little bit ago, about uh, education reform and funding. It was trying to effectively cut budgets mid-fiscal year. The attorney general sued him, saying that he couldn't do that. The courts disagreed. The cuts went into effect. Now the governor has effectively stepped into the University of Louisville and basically fired the entire board and forced the president to resign. The University of Louisville is a state university. There has been a ton of things going wrong in Louisville. A lot of it has been addressed at, I don't know, athletics. So is that worth firing the board over? Is there more going on in Louisville that I'm not aware of other than, you know, the stripper scandal? Uh, I, I believe so, yes. From, from my understanding, there's actually been a number of things, but I don't have all of the stuff in front of me, so I can't go I, I don't either, but I've, I've read in a number of places that basically say Louisville's a mess. Yeah. The university is a disaster. Yeah. And uh, James Ramsey, the longtime president there, resigned after the governor went in and kicked out the board. And now the attorney general is again suing the governor over his intervention in university matters. So... I, there's just there's a, there's a lot with I yeah. on one hand yeah if the university is a mess then maybe the board needed to go did Ramsey need to go absolutely I think Ramsey needed to go without a doubt but did the board need to go can the governor do this I mean there's a part of me that kind of sees where Bashir is coming from the attorney general but at the same time, it's a little hard not to, with all the suing and the back and forth, it's a little hard not to see it as personal because Bevan goes out and talks shit about Steve Bashir, the previous governor, all the time. And then you have his kid, who's the AG, who's constantly suing well, the man. Bashir talks pretty much shit, all a big too, mess. let's be honest. Yes, he does. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of shit talking back and forth going on. Yeah. So, it's I don't even know where to start. There's so much awesome <laughs> from a crazy standpoint going on. But well, and there's let's two just start with the there's basic fact one of, with the board of Louisville, but then there's also the board of their Kentucky retirement system. Which one is that? that? I missed that one. Yeah, he's suing over that one too. So I mean, it's a lot. And I, I'm sorry, it seems I'm not a, a law expert in these things, so I guess I I don't have any right to say so. But it doesn't seem that weird that the governor of a state, when there is so much going wrong at a university has the right to fire the board and restructure the board. I, this seems legit to me. And then the same thing goes for the Kentucky retirement systems. This is massive issues going on there. And so he's restructured that board. And that board, he didn't even fire all the people on the board. He, he restructured it, brought all the same people back in, along with a few other people. So the idea that this is worth suing over, I, I just don't buy it. it. It's To me, it seems completely personal. Yeah, and it's hard for me to disagree with that. I, I don't know enough about how university boards work, but at the same time, it's a, it's a state-funded state institution. The governor is the head of the state. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of feel like the governor certainly has reasons to nudge if not outright fire, I, I don't know. And, and he didn't, uh, he didn't fire Ramsey. Ramsey resigned. Now he probably got pushed out, but a lot of people wanted Ramsey to go, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's not that surprising. So, uh, 
I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Oddly enough, I and, and I have no great love for Bevan. The guy seems just really weird. If you want to see some weird shit, read his Twitter feed. Because it's not just that he's a little unhinged in the angry sense of things. He just posts weird stuff sometimes. They need to take it away from him. But I, I just don't know that I can get behind the idea that, one, this isn't personal. And two, he didn't have a reason to go in and fire the board uh, at Louisville. It seems it, it seems okay to me. I mean, I mm-hmm. you know because again, everybody agreed that everybody the, the one thing that everybody in Kentucky pretty much seemed to agree on was that Louisville was a mess. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, on top of that, he just released a major proposal to alter Medicaid in response to what Steve Bashir had done. Um, with the Medicaid expansion through Obamacare. This is to replace that same expansion. And in order to raise the funds, he's doing something that is a little different. He is imposing monthly premiums on Medicaid. Which now, are the premiums uh, range anywhere from a dollar to $15 a month. Yeah. So they're ridiculously low. Seems pretty legitimate. This is still, but, but it's still a precedent. I'm not aware of any other state that does this. Uh, so you know, it's it's an interesting sort of thing. I don't know what what do you what do you got? I like it. I went through and, and read his proposal. Um, it yes, you've got the dollar to fifteen dollar premiums based on income, which hardly seems unreasonable. Uh, and then, as far as what it actually covers, it seems to still cover everything. Um, you know, he's kind of structured it where he tries to, if you're working for a company that has health care and, but you can't afford to buy the health care, basically the state will pay the insurer, will pay the will pay your company, will basically pay your insurance premium for you. Um, they also then will give you enough money to cover your entire deductible. Um, and then if you're not an employee if you're not an employee of a company that has insurance you get you basically get on the exact same health plan as is offered to state employees and again the state gives you enough money to cover your entire all they cover all your premiums minus this maybe dollar to $15 and then they also give you enough money to cover all of your deductible uh, it, it's actually pretty brilliant they give you a thousand dollars they basically give you a thousand dollars to cover anytime you go to the doctor. And from my understanding, that money then rolls over and there's even ways that you can, if you don't use all that money that you can actually just get that money. Uh, once you choose, if like, say you then start to make enough money that then you can get off of Medicaid, you can actually get that money, a percentage of that money that's in your deductible account. So it seems like a very Republican-y, pro-choice, free market sort of system. And I, at first glance anyway, which was more than just a glance, I mean, I read the whole thing, looks pretty good. So now the big question is going to be, apparently they have to get a waiver from the federal government to do Medicaid in this way. And it's going to be a question of whether or not the federal government signs off on it. So it's going to kind of be in Obama's court. Will Obama shut it down? In which case... Bashir has said that he will pull Medicaid or will Obama go along with it? And I 
for one. Certainly hope that Obama goes along with it. I kind of do too, at least because I, I like the way the plan reads as long as it works that way in practice. I, the idea of imposing some kind of premium, a very tiny one like this um, over the course of on, on something like this d- doesn't really bother me um, as long as you know it, they're sure that this can work and it does cover people to the extent that it will, that if, if effectively very little will change with the exception of you know having to pay 20, you know, 12 bucks a year you know, for some people, uh, which is not that big a deal, um, you know, then I'm, I'm okay with it. And I do at least hope that the president will, that, you know, the administration will consider it and give it its due course other than rejecting it out of hand. Because again, that doesn't further the conversation the way that the conversation needs to be furthered. Yeah. So, well, and another interesting factor is I'm, I think, unless I'm misreading everything, I don't think this goes into effect until after Obama's gone. So right, yeah. Well, it's not I, even going to so be whatever Obama. the next administration. Well, that's true. Yeah. So whatever the next, yeah. whoever the next administration is, you know, will they consider it? Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, it's it is an interesting it's an interesting proposal, and it's and it's and it's worth looking at. And I say that as a liberal, it's it's worth checking out. You know, um, and not don't discard it just offhand just because it came from Matt Bevan, who admittedly is weird. But, um, you know, it's 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 worth it's worth checking out um, because it does. Like I said, the, the point of this is the thing that both of us want to see is the discussion furthered. So hopefully it will uh, be furthered by something like this. So uh, and so far, the AG is not threatened to sue over it. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> anyhow um okay well that's uh that's really all we got uh for tonight have you uh have you anything further to to add to not at all things? take us out with something cool i you know what i have i have no inspirational quotes no nifty stories to tell this evening but i i do just want to as far as attempting to say my own something cool i i read several several articles online and several um, I was watching Twitter very closely for several hours after the, the Brexit thing and in the days that followed. And there were, are an awful lot. This this was a tough week. You know, it's been a tough couple of weeks, I think, for uh, the for us here in the States over Orlando and the, the inaction in Congress over the gun control thing. Brexit has everyone worried. Everyone's scared. Uh, we have leaders who don't want to lead us through these things. They want us to continue to be scared to further their own agendas. Um, and the only thing that I have in response to that is don't be. Because the one thing that is cool about the way that we do things in this country and the way that uh, that the world can work, and that I think that I certainly hope that it works, is that it can get better. And I think it will get better. I think that we've had a rough go of it the last couple of weeks and hang in there because I think that there can be good stuff ahead, uh, even though it's a little bit scary right now. So uh, don't get too down about it. That's my something cool. So very good. That's uh, that's all we got uh, for this week. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibCon Matt. Tim is at LibCon Tim. Uh, Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care.